You're now listening to Carolina Conservative. Welcome to Carolina Conservative. I want to welcome Everett Blake. He's running for Board of Education in Harnett County District 3. Everett, thank you for being on with me today. Well, Matt, I certainly do appreciate the opportunity uh, to have a quick chat with you and uh, Carolina Conservative group that you are, uh, your blog, um, looking forward to answering some questions um, and telling you a little bit more about me. Okay. So first off, let's do that. If you could just give us a quick, brief uh, bio of yourself. All right. Um, and, I, and I said me, me specifically because that's the only time. Mm-hmm. Um, my entire campaign is about we and our. Um, so but we always have to start a little bit with me. Um, so I moved, I, I grew up in Wilson, North Carolina, um, came to Anger because we found a little house, came, moved out this way to live on a small farm. Um, but everything I do in my life tends to be for the long haul. Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of my, my concept is if we're going to get involved, we're going to get involved and we're going to stay. Um, I've spent 20 years on the North Carolina Marine Fisheries Commission. Um, as an advisor for legislation and rulemaking for offshore fishes of all different kinds. Um, doesn't mean I'm a great fisherman. <laughs> just, just means that we saw a need, I got involved, and we've been doing it for, <laughs> I felt like forever. Um, I spent time with North with uh, the town of Andrew Planning and town of Andrew, um, so close to 16 years, I think, with the town of Andrew Planning Department. Um, as the either planning board chairman or one of the board members. Um, I currently sit on the Harnett County planning board right now. Um, so I've been on that board for about five years and I have a, if, if I win, I have to give it up because the meetings will conflict. Right. Um, but then the last kind of long haul piece is I work for a company called Cisco Systems. I'm an IT guy. Um, I have sold business solutions to schools, uh, to public entities, to corporations. Um, and I've been at Cisco almost 20 years. Um, so something kind of rings true is I, I get involved in something. Um, I stay, I become very good at it. Um, and that's really where I came from. You know, luckily I also have a wife of 25 years. Um, you know, I've got a son at NC state, a daughter who's a graduating senior at Harnett central and a daughter who's a sophomore at Harnett Central. So all my kids are in the public school system, have done nothing else but public school so far at this point in their life. Great. Um, so what is your number one reason for, for running for school board, board of education? Well, um, I would say the number one reason is because I have spent so much time in the planning departments. Um, <laughs> Some people may say I'm actually the problem uh, <laughs> because we helped, we tried to su- build what we call growth and growth that will sustain our areas, not necessarily sustainable growth. And what I mean by that is we can't have $100,000 homes and have 50 of them or 5,000 of them because they can't produce the tax base. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have homes that have value but that, that can be built in areas that complement the surrounding, that provide parks and recreation and 
access to um, the land to more than just the few people that live in that neighborhood. Um, so in this concept, we've planned a lot of homes, a lot of neighborhoods. Um, some of them we've done really well. Some of them we didn't do so great. Um, but now that we see it coming, now we have to get the rest of the county to plan along with us. Um, and that's one of my big we concepts is we as a school board cannot function without working with our county board, with our planning, with our local cities. Um, you know, Lillington is growing at a rate which is astounding, mm -hmm. but Lillington doesn't have to answer the school board. They're their own little entity, but if we all work together and share what we're doing, we can prepare for it better than we are prepared for right now. Okay, good. Um, and I also want to mention all of my questions tonight came from parents and teachers. So I did, uh, I reached out to, to parents that I know and teachers that I know and got these questions. So moving along, um, with the overwhelming success of the North Carolina Education Lottery pertaining to the amount of funds that it's generated, why is it that school teachers still have to continually ask for assistance for supplies and have to buy their own materials? Well, you know, when we look at the lottery, um, you know, for one thing, Harnett County made a decision a couple of years ago to take a grant, a lump sum of money that we needed desperately mm -hmm. versus annual payouts. So while that helped us in an emergency or at a time, it's also put us in a position where we're not getting the same funding right now. Um, but for us, I think the Irwin Elementary School, I think the Northwest Harnett School, some of the repairs we did to other schools to make to bring them up to date, we needed that money faster and it was, it was accessible. So we made the call to go and take what we could get now versus over the time period. Um, you know, when you look at the school funding, that's always tough. Um, I've never not known a teacher who doesn't spend our own money. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I, it, it really sucks. We actually have provisions in our tax code to help refund teachers money that they spend in their class. Yeah. I so wish that we could get to that point. Um, part of it is we need the sales tax dollars. We need the property tax dollars. We need the proper businesses in our area that bring the money here. Um, far more than just property taxes um we can't build our future on the backs of our past mm -hmm. so it is it is tough um you know and then also very much like a lot of legislation sometimes the things that we are given have rules attached to them um it's like there's an impact fee for parks and rec um which i sit on a park and rec advisory board it's only designed for the purchase of the land not the not the actual park itself. Mm -hmm. So we get an impact fee, but then we're told what and what we can do with it. So that's also a, a hamstring that I think we need to work very hard with our elected officials in Raleigh to make it so when we get the money, we don't have to worry about is this within five miles of this area, or is this in the neighborhood, or can I build a park? but not put anything on it. 
We need to have some different latitude, especially in Harnett County, the way we're growing so much. May not affect Beaufort County right now. It may not affect other counties. For us, it affects us this way right now. Right now. Yeah, you're right. Um, going back to the lottery, you mentioned that we decided to take that lump sum at that time. Does that ever reset? Is there a time period where we reset to take those annual or so was that I, a... I think it was a five-year lump. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so it will be coming back up to the point where we will get funds again. Um, I mean, I'm not a big lottery guy. Um, I, I I probably will buy one every. Okay, when it gets to 500 grand, right. I you buy have one. to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I have to. Um, but I don't play the scratch offs. I don't do those. I think if we if I do them, it's it, it's kind of like uh, going to Vegas. You only go with Vegas with one that you can afford to lose. That's right. Um, but at least it theoretically goes to a good cause. So theoretically, yes. Um, kind of piggybacking off of that with the um, with I've I've been hearing a lot about bus drivers. We're we're having a shortage of bus drivers. Um, We're competing for bus drivers with Taco Bell and Walmart and all these people that are paying eighteen twenty dollars an hour. uh, Target, Walmart, everywhere. Um, What what can we do to address those shortages? Well. at the last work session, um, they just announced that I think the bus drivers are now getting a raise. They'll get up to like 15, 50 an hour, mm-hmm. um, which is far better than it's ever been. Right. Um, but you, you, I grew up in a society where my wife drove a bus to when she went to school. Right. My dad um, did too. You know, <laughs> we made it. We, we, I think we addressed the, some of the answers. But what we did is we made this a full-time job now and it doesn't work as a full-time job. Um, and maybe there are things that we need to look at to make it work easier and better um, for bus drivers. Um, maybe this becomes a better concept of a shift job mm-hmm. where one group drives in the morning, another group drives in the afternoon yeah. um, where people can do it to fit their timing. Um, but you know, when you look at the school buses of today, you know, we spent a lot of money to put these security cameras on school buses to catch, um, you know, people driving past a stop sign. I look at it. And one of the projects I was working on in Nebraska was kids that were going to be on the bus for an hour. We, we, our proposal was to put Wi-Fi on the school bus so the kids could be connected to the school network and they could continue doing homework and stuff. Now, mm-hmm. of course, they're going to play on their phones too. Yeah. But you know, if we're putting it on, if we're putting the information on there to track the school bus, then we should be able to use it for Wi-Fi. And then when that school bus goes home, or it goes to an area, then it should become a hotspot for yeah. people in the area. Right. And I know um, I'm not sure if Harnett did it. I know Cumberland did that early on in COVID. There were parking mm-hmm. buses in strategic locations for Wi-Fi hotspots. So yeah, that's it. I, I like that idea. Um, so now moving on to the topic, nobody wants to talk in it about anymore, but unfortunately we have to. Uh, COVID, unfortunately, it isn't going anywhere. It's going to be with us forever. Yep. Um, so since it's not going anywhere, neither is the politicization of COVID. Uh, so setting aside all the data we have that proves 
whether how you feel about masks or not, but proving that masks don't really make an impact on the spread of COVID in schools. And it really comes down to a basic freedom and parental rights issue. If the governor or the federal government try to force masking in schools again, based on the new variant or, or a new variant, um, what we heard before from, from Harnett County and other county school boards is that our hands are tied. So will you say your hands are tied or will you vote to keep masks optional? Um, I will vote to keep masks optional. Um, I didn't like wearing one. Um, I, when I, if I think of my teachers, um, if I mask my teachers, I take one of the most important things away is their expression and their ability to get excited about a topic. Um, that to me robs the kids of as much out anything as, as, as COVID did. Um, so I would love to stay mask optional, um, but I would also highly, you know, almost a, a bullying concept. I want you to be 100% comfortable with you if you're in a mask. If you want to wear one, wear one. Let's provide them for you if that's what you want. Um, we also know half our kids at school, when they were told to wear a mask, it was on their face, mm -hmm. but it sure won't cover in the nose or their mouth. Um, for the most part, you're you right. know, COVID chin COVID was the mm -hmm. most covered thing this year because, you know, the mask always fit the chin, but nothing else. Right. So, no, I, we do enough, we do enough lip service in our lifetime. Let's try not to have to do it in school also when it comes yeah. to wearing a mask and a policy. I agree. And what you said about it robs the students of being able to see the teacher's face and getting that expression. Yeah. Same thing the other way. The teacher can't read that that student because yeah. all she sees is, you know, the ones that are wearing it, all she sees is eyes and it's hard to it's hard to really read them. Um, so this this example um, and it's not really a question, but um, this example came directly from a teacher. So I just want to tell it to you. Um, while masks are now optional at school, a third of our students still wear them and it is hindering their education and their social emotional development. For a few, it is because they are truly um, afraid and of COVID and believe it's protecting them, which is, you know, sad in and of itself. But for the majority, however, they're wearing the mask for fear of people seeing their faces. Middle schoolers are already awkward and overly self-conscious. Masks allow them to remain in this constant state of fear and avoidance and never connecting with their teachers or peers. So we're... And that's sad. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's probably the one thing that we have found is that if you thought social media gave you an outlet to be more vocal than you would ever be, wearing a mask gave you freedom to do whatever the hell you felt like. Yeah. Um, because, you know, between a mask and a baseball hat, um, and I will say when I wore one and, you know, I wore one at times when we thought we were infected. Mm -hmm. um, I used a gator and I would and the gator came up to the edge of my eyes and I had a baseball hat on. And if you didn't understand, if you didn't know my guy, Harvey Gator, you had no idea who I was. Right. Um, so, you know, I do love the fact that kids, I mean, I, like I thought it was funny, football players, football players having to wear a face mask and then having an umpire tap a kid and send him out because he his 
mask has come down two or three times. You know, I'm sorry. When you're tapping my defensive tackle and sending him off, and it's either a kid who's going to college playing defensive tackle or the freshman behind him, I mean, there's a big difference here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, right. You affect the game. Um, and those are the, I mean, cheerleaders wearing their mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, poor girls. I mean, of course, my daughter was the, you know, one of the captains of the cheer squad. Uh, both of my daughters are cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. But having the cheerleader wear mask, they're around each other all day long. But when they come out in public, they have to wear a mask and they're 30 feet from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing when the high schools were requiring, requiring them to wear it on the court and off the court. But the funny thing was watching like college basketball. They're out there sweating all over each other face, you know, basically two inches away from each other's nose, but then go sit down on the bench next to the guys they spent their entire life with and put a mask on. So anyway, uh, (laughs) um, so moving on to a different topic, what is your understanding of CRT? and SEL, social emotional learning, and do you support these programs being in our schools? Well, you know, I would love cultural relationship teaching. That sounds good. Well, different concept. Yeah. Um, you know, occasionally when a teacher, when, it, when you have students and your backgrounds are very, very different, sometimes you have to understand who they are and how they learn to get to them. Um, my, my youngest daughter is, was a prime example. Great softball player, but your explanation of a swing doesn't match her understanding of how you said that. So if I'm using all softball lingo, it doesn't quite flow with her until I found a coach um, from the NLT, he was coaching over at NLTC in Benson. He figured out how to talk to her. And with that, you saw a night and day change in her emotional state, how she performed everything. If we're talking about CRT is that, hey man, I'm all for it. But when we look at using race as a basis of how we make a decision, Maybe we should all go back to kindergarten because in kindergarten, we had friends who were everybody and you didn't care and you didn't know. Race becomes an issue when parents and parents or schools shove it in there. Right. Um, you know, I personally believe that, you know, the character of a kid is far more important than the color of his skin. Um, and I do believe all kids need an opportunity to excel and grow. Um, But, you know, if you want to come back in college and say, we applied CRT logic to show how kids are not doing something. That's I'm, I'm fine with you trying to say, how can we make our school system better? But it shouldn't be taught to kids that you're either this or that because of the color of your skin it should be if your culture is different and you process things differently let's figure out how to help y'all all understand the question respond to the question um big difference in you know when i looked at you know, I hate saying a positive crt but mm-hmm. it's not the crt that we're thinking about it's right. not critical race theory 
um, cultural relationship, that's a big difference. Um, and that's also, you know, you hate saying it's possibly the reason why 65 year old teachers struggle with 12 year old kids. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they, they, the 12 year old kid doesn't quite see things the same way. And so maybe we have to get better sometimes at adjusting the message to meet the audience. Um, you know, I, I left Devin Hocutt, who's one of the music teachers at Arnett Central. Um, if you ever saw this man, you either wouldn't understand that he's a farmer um, with a beautiful grand piano and an amazing singing voice and so talented, the two don't fit together when you hear things. But the way he teaches is he can reach every student in that group because of his vastness of his experiences. Mm -hmm that would be a thrill to have people come do that across the board. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it fits in elementary. I don't think it fits as a core structure in middle school or high school. I would not be opposed of a statistics class or a class looking at how it may have had effects in the past, but it shouldn't be the basis of a curriculum. Okay. All right. I can, I can, uh, Stand by that. Um, so totally different subject as well. Uh, it came out in the last week that uh, Greensboro uh, has an after school uh, Satan club starting in one of their schools. What would you think about that in Harnett County? <laughs> um, boy, I'd really hope my kids didn't get involved in it. Um, no, it's, you know, I think there are certain limitations. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want a polygamy club either. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are certain things that I think the school can say, this just doesn't fit. Um, and I think it was years and years ago in the town of Andrew planning board, I made a motion and Coley price, who was the town manager at the time, <laughs> looked at me and he said, you know, we're going to get sued. <laughs> and I said, I know we're going to get sued. And he goes, we're going to get sued by noon tomorrow. And I said, I'm okay with that, Coley. I said, sometimes you have to make a certain stance. Now, you know, in that place, if you want to go do it off of campus and you want to get together and you use social media, um, as long as you're not using your school Facebook page, your school emails, your things like that, um, if you want to have a religion club and explore multiple religions, that would be a little different, but a satanic worship club, I would have a hard time saying yes to that. Yep. I, I, I do think you can draw lines. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And that's, I mean, it's a, that's a tough line because like you said, um, it's a, it's a touchy, are we going to, we're going to get sued no matter what yep. we do here, we're going to get sued. Uh, so that's yeah, that's a touchy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. Let's put them to work. Um, so without lowering our standards, how do we help these kids catch up from the lost or ineffective learning experience that they've had over the past two and a half years? Wow, that was uh, it was a little shocking to see how the kids really responded um, to see the test scores um, and to see the decline, because I actually thought and I was very, very proud of Harnett County. Um, the way we went from 
you know, my son was about to go to New York with the vocal ensemble to go sing at Carnegie Hall mm-hmm. to canceling that trip because of two outbreaks in New York had turned to 22,000 outbreaks in like five days Yeah. to us saying, wait a second, we have to do something. So let's take spring break now. Let's take a week off. Let's close down. Let's figure out how to get all the Chromebooks out. Let's figure out how to do all this stuff. Let's figure out how to go completely flip our classroom and go do this. And we did it while Wake County was literally sitting across the border trying to figure out, so what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we did a great job. Um, I think we dropped the ball when it came time to um, teach how to be effective teachers across WebEx. And I'm going to say WebEx because I don't like the Z word. <laughs> uh, but you know, we've already had that conversation. But I think these kids, now that they're coming back into the classroom, um, you can homeschool and remotely learn very well when you have the proper environment around it. Right. But not every kid has that proper environment. And to Correct. be quite frank, a school is a better learning environment for many of our kids than their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's also the reason why elementary schools, and this is one of my pet peeves, elementary schools should be built inside of towns or adjacent to towns because that kid can walk to school, can go around school. Moms and dads can walk and get to those schools easier than going 20 miles out into the county. Um, I firmly believe that elementary primary schools should be on the edge of the, on the edge of municipalities um, or mass neighborhoods. Um, if that's what we have to look at, but I think you get more involvement from the citizens. Um, these kids is going to be, you know, some of them are going to really struggle to catch up. Um, but what you have seen is the lowest of the students, while they declined some, they didn't decline as much as some of the top students. Mm-hmm. The top students declined more because I think moms and dads let the kids go on and do their thing. And then I have to say, I was abs. I didn't like power school at all. I didn't like the fact that you could go load in zeros for everybody's grade for that semester. And if you didn't turn one in, you got a zero. And so halfway through the semester, you've got a D because you've missed one or two or because these other ones are being added into your score. Um, I think we could have done better with some of that. Yeah. And, And just our personal experience, my son was in second grade when COVID hit second half of the year, you know, March forward was, was, you know, power school. And we went ahead and we knew that if they're going to do remote learning the next year, which it was kind of up in the air, we went ahead and pulled them and went homeschool the next year, which was the right decision for us because he did not do well with it. It just wasn't, didn't click through the computer screen. He's back in school this year, um, but he's behind. Um, And I do agree with, um, they did, they were creative and did everything they could do at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think we need to stay creative with these kids in you know, like for him, for instance, he's in fourth grade. He's A's and B's and everything except for math. He's way behind in math. There's no reason for him to stay in fourth grade next year just to redo math. Yeah. 
let's go to fifth grade, but there should be some sort of hybrid opportunity to, so he can keep excelling above grade level in reading and, and writing and, you know, catch up, keep catching up on that math without feeling like he's behind constantly in those fifth grade math classes. That's my personal opinion. Well, I, I will tell you one of the things that I would love to see, and my son did this a little bit when he was in middle school is he helped a lot of his football player buddies mm -hmm. with math. And the trick was, he said, dad, I speak, I speak kid better than the teacher does. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so sometimes the teacher's telling them what to do. And they're just not they're, like, like I kind of said earlier, they're, they're just not catching it. But when he explains it and then he uses a more appropriate relationship to what they see every day or what they do, all of a sudden it clicks. Mm -hmm. And so you saw a lot of kids get really good at, at math. And I think we can have more in-house tutoring programs because when you get some of the core basics of math and science and reading, <clears throat> you accelerate um, and your friends can teach you a lot better some days. That's um, true. That's true. And you, know, you think about it as a coach. Um, sometimes dad can tell their son or daughter the same thing a hundred times and they don't get it. But coach says the same thing one time and they're like, oh yeah, and it just clicks. It, it just so, depends on who it's coming from. Somebody asked me why we have four for her travel team. We have four coaches. And I said, well, we also have each of us have four daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, so I need for y'all to coach my daughter sometimes, and I need to coach your daughter sometimes because sometimes it's just a different person saying it, Yep. um, brings it, brings it home. Absolutely. Um, so moving on, um, for your college is not for everyone. And honestly, at 18 years old, I think it's probably not for most, um, what are your thoughts about, um, developing some sort of trade or vocational high schools? Well, um, so I'm actually involved with a IT program at Fuquay high school. Um, so I joined right before COVID. This was our first year. We're going to kick it off and we actually kicked it off in the Willow Springs high school building. Mm -hmm. And the concept is to bring in networking and network security, um, and IT into part of their curriculum. Now I had a very big problem with this. Um, I'm doing this and, and I was very, I've been very vocal with this. I'm doing this solely to steal it for Harnett County. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Wake County had a plan and they had a very solid plan for it. But when I look at it, I was going like, you're asking an eighth grader to build a career path through high school as an eighth grader. I think we in Harnett County, we should do as a junior or senior. Yeah, I think eighth grade is probably a little early. And then, you know, work with um, CCCC, um, both the campus here and the one in Sanford um, and Wake Tech, and look at how do we, for one, bring in some IT, some work from home capability, but at the same time, you know, the trade schools. Let's talk about Harnett County and, and economic development. I don't think there's a way we're not going to be a bedroom community that I did just, I cannot find enough major corporations coming into this area, but 
we have a ton of skilled laborers. Um, so plumbers, carpenters, electricians, um, you name it, that group comes in. And if they can learn that in high school, um, I've kind of, one of my good buddies didn't go to college. He started framing houses right after high school. And so we kind of looked at our lives one day and just said, you know, how did this all work out? And, you know, I was like, you had kids long before I did. But to be quite frank, you know, monetarily, we aren't very far apart. Yeah. Um, and we built incredible lives for us and our families. Um, and that was the main part is, you know, what I show. So I do a couple, I was doing these um, on campus telling people about careers in IT. And I would tell somebody, hey, look, a basic engineer at Cisco, base level CCNA, certified engineer at Cisco. There's like 3,000 open jobs that specify this certification in North Carolina. They make about $80,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And when I say $80,000 a year, heads from tables turn. And I feel bad when I'm beside the fireman because they, they, they're going to just don't mention 80,000 anymore. <laughs> I'm going to be, y'all have cool toys. Y'all, have, you guys, you guys are doing things that I'm not, but you look at it, you know, kids are going like, you mean I can make 80, a hundred thousand a year and use my brain. And I'm going like, if yeah. you apply yourself um, and what you can do then, if you still want to be a fireman, you can do both. You can be a volunteer. You can go do some of this and give back to the community. I mean, you know, Cisco gives me over 80 hours a year to give back a free time. As long as I'm donating it for somebody or a cause, they give me time back. Um, so you can, you, you can do a lot of things with your different career. But, um, you know, I say trades, um, but let's go a little farther. Arts, music, STEM. Um, these are programs that our schools need to put in, um, because I've, I've know of young kids who were quiet and shy and very mousy. And once they got into the vocal ensemble and began competing and showing that they could do things, and then were saying a solo in front of 50 people or 500 people, it completely changes their opinion of themselves. And then so many of these kids have gone on to colleges where they want to continue a musical career and then possibly teach and come back in and work with our kids again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we kind of talked about this before uh, with the, the just fast, fast growth that Harnett County has seen. You know, we're already seeing schools get overcrowded. Um, so how do we, how do we address that quickly? with with the growth that is i mean it's already started but the growth that's coming in the next five years how do we address it quickly to prevent these overcrowded schools well you know so we have you know we we came down to it we rebuilt an old school in Irwin that we had rebuilt um Mm -hmm. it was falling down not safe for the kids probably wouldn't have been my number one choice but we did and they're gonna have a beautiful school what we did nice about that school is that school was built and planned with staggered growth mm-hmm. that can be built into the school um, on top of its own property. Um, and the conversation of on top of your own property is massive right now. Um, 
you, I think years ago when I asked, why don't we expand our schools? Well, we don't want to ever have a middle school over 1,100 students. Guess what? Harnett Central already is. Yeah. You know. And it's Harnett not built for 1,100. It's already over. Yeah. Um, Highlands Middle is there. You know, you already have this. But now why don't we turn around and expand and actually make the school functional on top of the property we already own with the water infrastructure already there? We don't have to go build sport fields because sports are very important um, to kids and what they're doing. But if I could increase the bones of Harnett Central Middle School by 600 students and I could do the same thing at Harnett Central High School, you know, they already built a ninth grade wing on Harnett Central High School mm-hmm. and increased the capacity, did it in a year, and they did it for, I think it was around $10 million. Well, you can do the same thing right now at Western. You can do the same thing at Western Middle, same thing at, high, at uh, Overhills. Um, for those two schools, we could add immediate seats the size of a whole brand new high school for about 60% of a new high school without buying new property, without buying new property. And that would allow us the planning for the next school. Now the school board has already said, and they have named the projected location for the next high school. And it no longer is Lillington. It is now Highlands. Mm -hmm. So they want a third high school in that area um, I'm sorry if you expanded both Harnett or Western, Harnett Central and Overhills, you could cover everything you need that you would get out of that new school. You could do it in a year to two years, whereas the high school tends to be four to five years to, to build. At that point, I'm pretty much going to guarantee you the growth is going to be closer to Lillington, not down in that corner of the neighborhood, but we've already built for it. Um, and so, you know, it may also mean, hey, guess what? You know, this neighborhood, I'm, you've always been going to Overhills, and that's great. But when we add 600 more seats at Western, you're going to Western now. Um, and that's going to have to shift some, too. That's a, redistricting is not a great thing. Um, but I'm okay with tweaking. Um, I don't want to do it Wake County does, um, no. where school, you, you never know which school you're going to go to next. Every year. Um, <laughs> and like. then if I don't get the way, if I don't get it the way I want, I'm going to sue you. So, but I do think our change of let's just build a new school. We'll fix it all. Build a new school. We'll fix it all five years from now. We need to fix faster. Yeah, I um, agree. And this will be the most unpopular thing I'm going to say to uh, builders and developers. Um, I want an immediate impact fee for school buildings, $2,500 a lot for every building permit that we pull for new houses. Um, but then you hate saying $2,500, 5,000 new homes, which is probably about a fourth of what is planned for. It's only $12 million. That's a third of an elementary school. But it could be the expansion on one high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we have we have some things that we could do. 
but I don't know who in the world decided that having three of the smallest 3A high schools was a good idea because we're getting our butts handed to us in sports. That's true. And I, and I got to tell you, you know, I grew up having rivals um, and I loved having those rivals and it was more fun the older we got because we were rivals, but we were friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if we're all the small school in the, in the neighborhood, give us a shot. Let's increase the population of these schools. You know, I don't want to be a 3,500 seat high school. I don't think we need that yet, but we sure don't need six more high schools around here at $1,500 1500 students per high school. It's Mm -hmm. just not not economically feasible. Um, And then we also steal something from Wake County. Let's build a school. Let's get an architectural firm to build us a high, you know, uh, here's the design for a high school that can go from this size to this size. And here's a middle school and here's an elementary school. And here's a primary school. Change the colors, keep the same building, change the plants outside, change the driveway. But why should we spend a million and a half to $2 million like we're doing on the Northwest Harnett elementary school just to change the design? Right. No, I'm I'm with that. It, there's no reason to, like you said, it, yeah, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. You know, if you get a good design that works, you know, it may, maybe it's scalable, you know, yep. but uh, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel every time we build a school, if we have something that works. Um, so how does Harnett County compare to other counties in North Carolina, really around our, our surrounding counties when it comes to teacher's pay? Well, so we know teacher pay is, kind of, is, is, is more like more or less a set thing. Um, what we can control are our supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, over the past few years, the school board has grown to about 8%. Um, I think Wake County is 15. Um, where, and I made this a comment the other day. I said, guys, if your goal is to get to be 13, why not ask for 13 now? Stop asking for 10. 10 is going to get you 10. Yeah. 15 will get you 13. Um, so let's go ahead and shoot for the moon. And I said, because what we get out of this is, I mean, I had the same teacher teach all three of my kids in first grade, second grade, third grade. You know, one teacher, you know, I had a third grade teacher um, who did a phenomenal job with all three of my kids. Um, and really, I think Sue Ann McKay, that was probably the most influential year for these kids. Um, and she was wonderful. And I've dropped off goodie boxes of supplies on her front porch numerous times. Um, but if in Harnett County, if we can get closer, I may not have to go to 15 or 18%, but if I can get a 13 or 14, we're now talking $1,000 a year, delta between the two. If we can get to that edge, maybe the cost and the value and the benefit of living in Harnett County, a lot cheaper house, great place, place where they know their kids, the power of the Cape Fear River will be discovered at one point. Somebody will find out we have a really cool river in the middle of our county. Uh-huh. But you know, those are things that are intangible 
But when you are 8% away and it's $6,000 a year, it makes it really hard for a teacher to stay. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, and those teachers that are already here, if you're talking about only $1,000, is it worth whether yeah. either that drive every day or, or moving? No, nah, most likely not. Yep. So, and, and then of course, you know, think about it. If you're going to go, if you haven't been established yet, you know, you can find a little house here or you can go find a condo there. Mm-hmm. So in your life, what's going to be the best thing for you as, as a young professional? Um, here's the next part. We have a new elementary school about to be built. We're talking about a new middle school in Lillington. So we're going to need hundreds of teachers plus the 200 vacant jobs right now. Um, in this last budget, you know, we need to ask for it, but then, then the conservative side comes in. All right. I can't say build it and then we'll hope we fund it. We have to understand that if we give this money, it is a sustainable annual commitment that Harnett County is committing to. And that just because we don't have a phenomenal year one year, doesn't mean, oh, we're going to take all the teacher's aides bonuses away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have to make sure we're doing it for staff. Um, you know, we have to make sure that the janitor is also seeing, um, the benefit. I know, um, parks and rec talking with, uh, with Carl, you know, we were losing our groundskeepers to go work at other places because Mm -hmm. we just couldn't afford to give them any more money. Um, but they could go somewhere else and do the same job somewhere else and make time and a half. Um, and it was, it was tough to lose people who were here, who weren't working for the county for 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know every, pretty much every industry, when you're talking about that, that level of worker, they were seeing that. I mean, it, yeah. it, it would be dumb for them not to, you know, um, when you're talking about that much money, that much of a difference in money. Um, so moving on to a completely different subject now, uh, getting back to the, um, the touchy subjects. Um, this again is an example coming from a teacher and this teacher's frustration is that teachers aren't getting any guidance on what to do in these situations, whether it's from the administration or from the board. So um, the, what, what the teacher said is the number of students identifying as LGBT has increased dramatically since the start of this school year. And We've seen this in studies and polls and everything from around the country. It's not just here. So it's a trend that is certainly caught on. And as educators, they're giving no direction on how to address this. So what, what, the, what they're asking is, are we supposed to contact parents about this? Do we ignore this? And must we now adhere to these new pronouns? Um, See, so, and, and you know, that's kind of tough because you can say my number one thing is turn your common sense hat on. Um, you know, if some, I don't think I would have ever gone to a teacher 
when I was a kid growing up and said, I think I'm a girl in a boy's body. Um, that was not my relationship with the teachers. The teachers came and taught. We weren't best friends. We were buddies. Um, they were Mrs. Thompson, Mr. Thompson. Um, and that's what they were called all their life. Um, even well after we were, I was out of school. Right. Um, I think there was a dignity that we gave teachers back then that there were certain things we didn't talk about. Um, guidance counselors, you know, they're the ones who need to be trained in how to do this. Um, and that's where the teachers are going to have to say, Hey, look, you know, this is, this is what you need to do. I need you to go speak to so-and-so or do this. Or you, ha I really, you know, this is a subject that you and your family need to discuss. Um, I'm not here to talk to you about your boyfriends, your girlfriends. Um, I'm here to help you learn. I'm here to help you explore certain things. Um, but at the same time, if somebody comes and says, you know, I think I'm, I'm a girl. Well, the first thing you do is, you know, you, if that's how they are going to be referred to and that's their identity and that's what they're going to be, when you start calling them other things, the teacher loses that little personal connection between the two of them. And it's kind of hard to say those two pieces back to back. But when you start, I mean, Matt, I wrote your, I wrote your name down as Mark three times before I wrote it down as Matt correctly. <laughs> but if I called you Mark, all of a sudden, there's a point where you look at me and you're going like, he's not invested in me. Um, and that's a tough line for a teacher to walk. Um, you know, I've been looking at studies on bullying because that was a question Joe Langley and I got the other night. Um, and my kids never, we never experienced bullying. Um, so that's just one of two things. Either they were the bullies or you know, um, they were just knew how to deal with it. You know, I think we do need to invest the training and the time with our teachers to teach them how to understand stuff, to teach them to how to understand and see those signals. Um, but if you're coming to me, you've come to me every day with a baseball hat on and a beard. And then you walk in the next day and you're wearing a dress and you're shaving and your hair's and you're, you may be wearing a wig and you are telling me you're now a young lady. It takes a lot to get used to. It's a different world we're in. Um, you know, in corporate world, um, you know, I think we do it a little differently because we're based on your performance and how you do, not really what you look like. Yeah. Um, so it is. I will say um, in regards to that, I am not supportive right now of males, genetic males competing in a, a classic female sport. Um, I do like the fact that women are allowed to wrestle, but it would be the same thing to turn around and, you know, if they weight class, they wrestle and they want to do that and they participate, if there's not a, girls division and they want to wrestle against the boys there's not a physiology or a physical advantage in those right, they're choosing to actually take on that yeah. 
basically disadvantage yes. of competing against their boys, which um, a lot of them end up kicking yep. their butts anyway. But, <laughs> but you know, if it would be, and then you think of the, where are the sports? Um, basketball, you know, a 18 year old boy is going to be tall, you know, has the ability to grow taller in many cases than a lot of girls. So is that fair? Um, is it also fair for, you know, you see world records in men's track and world records in women's track. And in the exact same event, typically the male portion of the sports a little faster. Right. Um, and I don't, that's where it becomes very frustrating for a kid in high school who wants to excel and, and do better. Um, get beat by somebody that physically they really didn't have a chance to win with to begin with. Right. Now, you know, I agree with you that I, I do not support males playing in female sports. What do you, what is your thought about just general everyday bathroom locker room situation? Um, I am. I think if that's the need, then we need to create a unisex version of a bathroom. Um, but there's a male locker room, a female locker room. Um, and then if there is a gender neutral locker room, I'm okay in trying to provide that in, in future schools. Um, that one is kind of like the old concept of the family bathroom mm -hmm. um, where, you know, but do I want to rebuild every single building right now? No, there may be one or two bathrooms, you know, throughout the entire school that are that way. Um, I don't think I went quite down the slippery slope as people did a couple of years ago um, of saying that if you allow a boy into a girl's room, there's going to be rape and pillar and plunder. I think you make people very uncomfortable. And for that reason, I would say if you are anatomically a boy, but you choose to be a, a female, this is where you're going to, you know, you can go here or you can go there. Um, and that's kind of how it needs to be. Okay. Um, another question um, from a teacher. And again, this is asking for kind of guidance from the board is, is um, most students are not reci actually reciting the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. They're standing up, but they're not actually saying anything. Um, most don't even put their hands over their heart. So this is another question of, is it the teacher's role to talk to the parents about this or maybe talk to the guidance counselor or, or what? Does the teacher have a role in communicating that? Um, I don't want the teachers to feel like there have to be tattletales. Um, to me, if you stand, I would prefer everybody would stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, you know, we used to tease my son. He said indivisible, right. very, very odd. Um, but when you look at it, you know, some people are just shy, you know, in a chorus class. For some reason, somebody signs for a chorus and they don't sing. You know, if you're disruptive in the class. I have a big problem with that. Um, if you stand and observe, um, or 
if your choice is to sit. Um, I'm not going to beat everybody over the head um, and force them to do what we all think is right. Um, because then that feels like a military school. Um, I would hope that the experience that they're getting in, from our country and the things that they're getting as far as part of our society would lend them to believe to stand up and to be part. Um, whether you have to scream at the top of your voice or say it mentally in your head. Um, but, you know, put your phone down for two minutes. It ain't going to kill you. Right. I'm with you on that. Um, so last question. This is from a parent that uh, lives in the Lafayette Elementary District. Um, Lafayette Elementary does not accommodate a special education self-contained classroom. So um, this parent is thinking that it's not fair that she should, because apparently there's other schools in the county that she would have to send her, her child to, um, or her children with autism out of her district. They specifically moved to that district for a reason. Um, so they're wondering, why can't Lafayette accommodate that? Well, I guess what the term is mainstreaming putting them in more standard classrooms, uh, making them become a little more associated. Um, I understand if Lafayette is, you know, first of all, it's a, it's a pretty old school um, and they may not physically have the ability to break out a single classroom for that. Um, then the other question is, do they have enough staff to say, we're going to do a single special ed class that does this? Um, you know, I, the most impressive thing I've ever seen was Harnett Central on the day of the Special Olympics. So the kids on their way to go compete, go down the hallway and they're ready to go perform. Football players have their jerseys on, cheerleaders are there. They lined, you know, the entire way out. And they know the kids' names. They're calling so-and-so by name as they're going by. They're giving them five. They're very much a part of their day-to-day. -day. If the students are too self-contained, then they miss the rest of the school. And I think that can offer a lot more for students um, than just being in a self-contained class. Um, so... You know, years ago, I guess people got mad when you went to a special school because that's what people were told, people said do. Um, if you have the ability to function and you're a high functioning child with special needs, um, we'd love to see you integrate more because I think we can get more in certain classes. Um, <clears throat> my Overall, my biggest issue with Lafayette is there are so many people going to Lafayette that don't live in the district. There are a lot of schools like that, that it's a convenience thing for parents or it's possibly teachers there that they want their kids to go to. And they simply ask the school can, or they ask the school board, can I go here? And for years, we've all from years, they've said yes. Maybe if we don't say yes as much, 
we could offer additional programs at Lafayette. Um, but I think we've allowed, man, one of my friends I worked with at Cisco lived in Dunn. Her kids went to Lafayette. She drove around, dropped them off, and then went on to Cisco because it was convenient for her. It kind of defeats the whole reason for having school districts. Um, and if Lafayette gets great ratings, then all of a sudden, everybody wants to go there. Um, and then it's not fair to people who live very close by who now can't get certain, can't get benefits, can't get certain programs. Um, so maybe we need to be stricter and say, you know, I understand it's a convenience, but you, this is the area you live in. This is your, your kids are in these feeder schools. Um, you know, this is where they need to go to school. But I, I don't, I don't know Lafayette's special needs well enough. Um, it would be something to look into, but, um, you know, to me that the big thing is watching those kids come out for special Olympics that day. Um, and then seeing the cheerleaders and, you know, it was like they were going to go participate in the state championship for their team, for their high school. And it was pretty cool to see the excitement of all the students with them. All right. Very good. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add, um, that voters may need to know before the election? Um, well, you probably won't see as many of my signs out as everybody else's. Um, <laughs> we've seemed to become a sign crazy world. Yes. Um, you know, I'm doing this not for me, but hopefully to make this place a better place to live. Um, I know Joe Langley well. I've met uh, Brad a time or two. Um, as long as our hearts are in the same place, then that's the important part. Um, I'd love your vote. Um, I've been doing this for 20 years around this County. Um, I'll never be a native. Um, but it's always my heart. Um, so I'd love the opportunity to say, you know, elect me. Um, I am very frank about what I believe in some days. Um, some people aren't going to like it. Some people are going to love it. Um, but it's typically me. Um, it doesn't change from day to day. Um, I do believe in the term compromise. I will compromise certain things if we get a better solution. Um, it doesn't have to be my way every day. Um, and I am 100% in looking at the county's best interest not solely my neighborhood. Um, and I think if we do that more than Andrew Coates, Lillington, Irwin, Anderson Creek, Spring Lake, done, we will all do a better job of working as a community than my town versus your town or the one side of the river versus the other side. But that's it. Uh, Matt, I certainly do appreciate this time. Um, Great knowing that you're good friends with, with Stacy. That means a lot. Yeah. Uh, that, that, <laughs> right. that, 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 that gives you a big check mark. Shout out to uh, Stacy Clearman, the Clearman family down in Navarre, Florida now, uh, East Bay Church. Check them out if yeah. you're down there. Um, but yeah, thank you, uh, Everett Blake, again, running for Harnett County Board of Education in District 3. Thank you very much for being on Carolina Conservative today. Thank you so much.